Praise the Lord. All right. It is good to see all of you. Thank you for those joining us online. So good to have you with us. Uh, For announcements, next, or actually this Saturday, February 12th, there is men's prayer at 8 a.m. That will be followed by the church business meeting at 9 a.m. So if you are a voting member, you uh, can be here for the church business meeting, but all are invited to the men's prayer. (laughs) They have opened it up for all of us. All right, and then mark your calendars, February 16th. It's a Wednesday. We have a guest missionary. Um, This missionary is... um, a missionary to a very sensitive nation, so we're not going to be posting his picture or his name online um, or where he's from. And because of that, for his safety, we will not be live streaming that service. So please, if you can be here, be here on February 16th, 7 p.m., to be blessed and to be a blessing to this missionary. Hallelujah. Are we ready to worship? Hallelujah. I've a home prepared where the saints abide, just over in the glory land. And I long to be by my Savior's side, just over in the glory land. Just over in the glory land, I'll join the happy angel band. Just over in the glory land, just over in the glory land, there with the mighty host I'll stand. Just over in the glory land, I am on my way to those mansions fair. Just over in the glory land, there to sing God's praise and His glory share. Just over in the glory land, just over in the glory land, I'll join the happy angel band. Just over in the glory land, just over in the glory land. There with the mighty host I'll stand, just over in the glory land. What a joyful thought that my Lord I'll see, just over in the glory land, and with kindred safe there forever be. Just over in the glory land, just over in the glory land, I'll join the happy angel band. Just over in the glory land, just over in the glory land, there with 
the mighty host I'll stand just over in the glory land. With the blood-washed throng, I will shout and sing. Just over in the glory land, glad hosannas to Christ the Lord and King. Just over in the glory land, just over in the glory land, I'll join the happy angel band. Just over in the glory land, just over in the glory land, there with the mighty host I'll stand. Just over in the glory land, what a joyful thought that my Lord I'll see. Just over in the glory land, and with kindred safe there forever be. Just over in the glory land, just over in the glory land, I'll join the happy angel band. Just over in the glory land, just over in the glory land, the mighty host I'll stand. Just over in the glory land, just over in the glory land. I'll join the happy angel band just over in the glory land, just over in the glory land, there with the mighty host I'll stand just over in the glory land. Hallelujah. Oh, I can't wait for that day. Oh, to be with you, Jesus. Hallelujah. What a joyful thought. Oh, Lord, that I will see you face to face. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, there's no one like you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, how I love the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Jesus, there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, 
like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms shall all pass away but there's something about that name Jesus Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms shall all pass away but there's something about that name Jesus Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms shall all pass away but there's something about that name hallelujah yes what a beautiful name Hallelujah, there is power in that name. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, power to heal, power to deliver. Lord, you bring peace through that name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I love the name of Jesus. I love that I have that name applied to my life. Oh, hallelujah. I really like that song. That, that is one that I would use to calm my children. I would sing that to them at night. I love the name of Jesus. There is something about that name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And what a day it's going to be when we get over there. We will all be happy. Hallelujah. There's a happy land of promise over in the great beyond where the saved of earth self through the glory share. And the souls of men shall enter and live on forevermore. Everybody will be happy over there. Everybody will be happy, will be happy over there. We will shout and sing God's praise. Everybody will be happy over there. Mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers will be singing round the throne in that land where no one ever knows the care. And the Christians of all ages will join in the triumph song. Everybody will be happy over there. Everybody will be happy, will be happy over there. We will shout and sing God's praise. Everybody will be happy over there. We will hear nobody praying and no mourning in that land. For no burdens there will be for us to bear. All the people will be singing glory, glory to the Lamb. Everybody will be happy over there. Everybody will be happy, will be happy over there. We will shout and sing God's praise. Everybody will be happy over there. There we'll meet the one who saved us and who kept us by his grace and brought us to that land so bright and fair. We will praise his name forever as we look upon his face. Everybody will be happy over there. Everybody will be happy, will be happy over there. We will shout and sing God's praise. Everybody will be happy over there. Everybody will be happy, 
will be happy over there. We will shout and sing God's praise. Everybody will be happy over there. Hallelujah. I can't wait for that day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. I am so looking forward to seeing him face to face. I am so looking forward to hearing his voice, to touching him, touching the, the wounds on his hands and his side. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Telling him in person how grateful I am. Telling you in person how thankful I am for your so great salvation. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's our hope, church. That's what we live for. Everything that we endure, everything that we have to go through, good, bad, and indifferent, leads us to this. An eternity with Him, with Jesus Christ. Oh, thank God for that hope. <clears throat> you know, when I first got in church... That didn't sound very appealing to me, sitting in his presence singing for all eternity. I'm not the best singer. I've, I've never really enjoyed the process. And so that whole idea just it didn't excite me a whole lot. But the more I live for God and the more I realize he's done for me, uh, <laughs> I'm quite okay with that. I'm quite okay with that. And understanding that I'll have a perfect body with a perfect voice, that helps too. <laughs> Amen. I understand that there's going to be a lot of other things going on, administrations, offices, things like that. Uh, but, but I am so looking forward to exchanging my armor for robes. I'm so looking forward to this war being done. The fighting is over. It's time to rest. It's time to, to rejoice forever in the God of my salvation. Amen. I can't think of a more perfect ending, a more perfect hope than that. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah, chapter 6, <clears throat> we'll read verses 27 through 30. Jeremiah, chapter 6, verses 27 through 30. We live in a crazy period of time, don't we? Societal unrest, social unrest, governments seem like they don't really know what's going on or what they're doing. I think they do, but it doesn't seem like it. Uh, it's just a very strange time. And the hearts of men and women seem as hard as they've ever seemed. And not just hardened, but distracted, fearful, uh, unable to focus on what's really important. 
despite the times that we live in, the evil that seems to be running rampant out in the world today, these times are not entirely unlike many other times that have been in times past, that saints and prophets and men and women of God have had to face and endure. Jeremiah was such a man. In Jeremiah chapter 6, verses 27 through 30, we read this. I have set thee for a tower and a fortress among my people, that thou mayest know and try their way. They are all grievous revolters, walking with slanders. They are brass and iron, they are all corruptors. The bellows are burned, the lead is consumed of the fire. The founder melteth in vain, for the wicked are not plucked away. Reprobate silver, shall men call them, because the Lord hath rejected them. We'll be talking for a few minutes on this topic. Looking for a tire inside and response in Chorazin. Looking for a tire inside and response in Chorazin. Let's pray one more time and ask God to bless the remainder of His service today. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. Our eyes, our hearts, our ears are attent to Your voice. To You alone. You, Lord Jesus, are high and lifted up. Your train fills the temple. You are Lord and God in this place. This is Your service. We are Your people. Minister to them, I pray, according to our desperate need this morning, according to Your perfect will. Help us to receive all that You have for us, Lord, today. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. And it's not just society that we have to concern ourselves with. It's the church as well. I'm not going to stand up here and say, by any stretch of the imagination, that I'm perfect. Even that I'm qualified to give this kind of message. And yet, here we are. The society we live in today is more and more evil. There's no other way to say it. It, They're not mistaken. They're not uh, basically good, but just a little bit wandering. Society as a whole has become altogether evil. It has become more and more brazen, and it's attempts to switch around the definitions of good and evil. The Bible warns us that there are times coming where they will call evil good and good evil. Those times are today. Evil is praised. It's, it's worshipped. It's, it's exalted as, as wholesome and, and lovely. And good is condemned and crucified on the cross of public opinion as being destructive, as being evil, as being something hurtful. And that's the time we live in. This is a time for the church to shine all the brighter. It's a time for grace to even more abound. But that's not always the case with God's people. 
in the scripture verse we just read. It wasn't society as a whole. It wasn't the world that was being condemned by God. It was God's people that were being condemned. That were being chastised. And if I can say it this way, encouraged to do better. I don't know if this particular church body needs to be encouraged to do more for God. This congregation, if I can step out for just a moment and just be me, this congregation to me is absolutely incredible. And I'm not just saying that. You guys are amazing to me. You're your ability and your desire to sacrifice and to serve. I haven't seen that in too many other areas. How you treat your pastor is phenomenal. I haven't seen that in too many other churches. And I say that only to say that God blesses you when you bless the man of God. I want more than anything to see you guys blessed by God. I want so desperately to see the hand of God upon each of you for good. I want, your, I want His blessings in your life. I want Him to exalt you and to magnify you in His kingdom, in His service. I want to see each and every one of you used mightily by God. I believe that with all of my heart, that that's His perfect will. To use each of you. You all have, you're all called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of you, all of us, are called to be ministers, to preach the gospel, to demonstrate Jesus to this world. But in the society we find ourselves in, it is so easy to get sidelined to get distracted. Our society needs Jesus. They need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're expecting a great revival in these end times. We're expecting it. We're praying for it. We're fasting. We're believing God for revival in this city, this county, our families. I believe with all my heart that we're going to see that. Before Jesus comes, we're going to see that. But at the same time, revival doesn't come at all times and in all places the same way. The revival that I would like to see is something along the lines of the Great Awakenings, the Azusa Street Revival. The revival that I would like to see is the power of God fall on this entire city 
workshops have to close because the power of God is so strong. People are weeping at the factories and, and on the sales floor. That's the kind of revival I'd like to see. Where God just does something incredible. Maybe He will, maybe He won't. I don't know how God is going to bring this end time revival. I'm not God. And He can do it however He wants to do it. That's just how I'd like to see it. But maybe it'll come in a different way. Maybe it'll come from a different direction, a different avenue. I don't know. But here's what I do know it's coming. It's going to be awesome, and we need to get ready for it. We most certainly need to be ready for it. Because as sure as Jesus is coming, revival is coming first. The Scriptures tell us that. At the same time, while we're waiting for end-time revival, we need to be continually working. We need to be working the work of God. We need to be in the fields. We need to be in His kingdom. We need to be... We need to stay focused on that more than anything else. In the middle of that work, teaching Bible studies, witnessing praying for people. I'm praying for loved ones right now. And i got to be honest with you, sometimes it seems utterly hopeless. Sometimes, if I were entirely transparent, and I know, I know, that's just feeling. Okay? That's just feeling. I know what the Scriptures say. I know what the will of God is. And I'm holding fast to that. I don't let those feelings conquer my faith. But my feelings still rise up. And it can seem hopeless. It can seem like everything that we're doing is just spinning our wheels. I get up here and I preach revival. Other people get up here and preach revival. And it can get to the place where, okay, well, when is it coming? We're doing A, B, and C like you said. When is it going to happen? I get it. Jeremiah felt the same way. And if we look at Matthew chapter 11, we're going to go through this a little bit in detail. I remember when I first came to the Lord. All I can seem to remember is the presence of God who was to become my pastor, preached a powerful message. I don't remember one word of it. Not one word. But I know that at the end of it, I felt like the worst sinner that had ever lived. In a good way. I ran to the altar. As far as I know, I was the first one to the altar. This good Lutheran lad. And I cried my face off. 
My face was swollen. It hurt. But I felt clean. God had forgiven me. And I've often wondered since that altar experience, why doesn't everyone have an experience like that? I was overwhelmed with the presence of God. I don't know if I could have done anything else at that point. And yet since then, till this present moment, I've seen people come into our churches. Yeah, this is pretty nice. And never come back. I've seen people go so far as to get baptized, receive the Holy Ghost, and then never come back. And I wonder, didn't they receive the the same thing that I did? I'm not being I'm not being condemning here. I'm not being judgmental. I it's an honest question. I am dumbfounded by this fact that for whatever reason I think they're I think they're feeling the same thing that I felt. I think they're receiving the same Holy Ghost I received. Adopted by the same God that I was in water baptism. But their response is way different. And I don't understand that. I've spoken with people. My, my brother, he wouldn't mind me sharing this. My brother came in. He got baptized. He got the Holy Ghost. He was living for God for a while and then he backslid. Praise God he's, he's back now and he's, he's doing okay. He still struggles with things, but he's making progress forward. Thank God for it. And I asked him sometime after he came back, because I'm curious about this. I would really like to know, why did you leave? What was it? Were you offended? Did someone say something? that? What made you decide to leave? His response was that someone had told him something that that really offended him, shook him up, and so he didn't come back. And I'm like, I wanted to say, how many times have you been offended at work? Keep going back to work. Why would you walk away from God because of what someone else said? And see, that's, I've, please understand, I'm, I'm not any more or less spiritual than anyone else is. I, I told my brother this too. I'm here by the grace of God, like everyone else is. And I mean that. I'm here by the grace of God and that's it. I made, I made some choices. God has made them very easy for me to make. Okay. But I'm here by the grace of God. I've had people tell me things that have offended me. As a new convert, there was a rumor going around in my church that I had, con- I had contracted AIDS. 
because of homosexual contact. Wasn't true. Okay? No truth to it. But people were, people were talking about that. My best friends, the people who I was hanging out with, they went and got themselves tested because they believed it. That's what hurt more than anything. The people that were circulating these, it was a big enough church, I'd never even met them. I didn't know who they were. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, that's them. I didn't really care. But when my friends started buying into it, that hurt. But I never blamed God for it. I knew, I knew that that wasn't true. I mean, I would hope so. I knew that that wasn't true. I knew I was right with God. Whatever else happened after that, somehow God had, had revealed to me or, or something that if that was good, if my line with God was good, the rest didn't matter. It doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter what people believe about me. God knows the truth. And if that truth is good, He's good with me, I'm right with Him, everything else is superfluous. It doesn't matter. I don't, I'm not concerned with that. I would rather people like me and want a relationship with me, but if they hate me and they think evil of me, okay, I'm right with God. That's all that has ever mattered to me from this point. That's all that's ever mattered is that I'm right with God. I don't care what people say. and I think that's biblical. I think that's scriptural. And I'm not that way naturally. God has given me something. God has created something else in me. And I, I wonder... Why doesn't everyone receive that? Why doesn't everyone get that revelation or whatever it is that I got, what you guys got? People have offended you, I'm sure. People have said evil things about you, I'm sure. But you're still here. Thank God for that. But what's the difference? In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is talking here. He had just got done commanding his twelve disciples. Verse 1 says, He departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? John had gotten to a very bad place in his ministry. Uh, he, was, he was the man. He was the guy that everyone came to. All of Israel was coming out to hear John preach. And now, Jesus is as John wanted. He must increase and I must decrease, John said. Well, this is, that's exactly what happened. John decreased all the way to a prison cell. And obviously he was, he was uh, maybe discouraged. or uh, In any case, he's to the point where he's starting to doubt the very tenets of his doctrine. What he was preaching and teaching before. And so he sends two of his trusted disciples to Jesus, probably hoping, are you he that should come or do we look for another? Are you really the one that I've, I've been sent to, to pave the way for? 
Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. So he addresses the disciples here. It tells John, tell John to be assured. There's no doubts. There doesn't need to be any doubts. I'm the one that he was looking for. I'm the one that he was sent to prepare the way for. Tell John he was right. He's good. And then, having done that in front of the multitudes, he now turns and he addresses the multitudes. As they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if ye will receive it, this is Elias which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. So, after he assured the disciples, and they went on their way to tell John, he turns to the multitude. What do you think about John? What's your opinion of him? Let me tell you who John is. And he builds John up. Way up here. He's not just a prophet. He's more than a prophet. This is the one that was prophesied. This is the one the Old Testament Scriptures spoke of. That he would come and he would prepare the way before the Messiah. If you'll receive it, this is Elias, which was to come. That's who John is. He builds John up. And he does that, I think, for a reason. <clears throat> he that hath ears to ear, hear, let him hear. And then he kind of turns in verse 16. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? Almost a little frustrated. Almost a little bit. I have no idea what to compare you guys to. I have no idea what, what to say about your generation. Whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is likened to children. <laughs> sure, the Pharisees loved that. It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not lamented. And then he kind of drives it home here. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He hath the devil. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. We got kind of two ends of the, the deal here. 
John came, stern, austere, clothed in animal skins, ate wild locusts and honey, very draconian, very Spartan, almost maybe harsh, preaching repentance. you got to repent. Repent. He had a devil. We don't like the way John preached. We don't like what he was doing. We don't agree with it. Jesus, he came an entirely different way. Friendly, open. Friend of publicans and sinners. Available. Merciful. But he's a glutton and a wine-bibber. He just can't satisfy some people. You just can't reach some people. Why is that? Is it the message? It's definitely not the message. The message is good. The message is perfect. Is it the messenger? Sometimes, maybe. But I don't think it was, in this case, is Jesus a good messenger? If Jesus can't reach someone, what hope do I have? John couldn't reach him. Jesus couldn't reach him. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. They heard the message. They saw the man. They saw the miracles. They had to have at least suspected. If he wasn't the Son of God, if he wasn't the one that was to come, he's at least a prophet that God is working through. No man can do the miracles you do except God be with him. Right? That makes sense to me. God must be working through this man at the very least. But despite the fact that he did all of his mighty works in these cities, most of his mighty works in these cities, they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, Sodom, Really? It would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. All of these Gentile cities, if God had worked in them like He was working in the cities of Israel, they would have repented. They would have got right with God. They would have come to Him in sackcloth and ashes, begging for repentance. 
begging for forgiveness. But the people of God... I, I just... It's not doing it for me. I just don't think that this is right. I just don't think that you're telling us everything that's true. I don't think that this is 100% legit. And they'll find reasons for it. John has a devil. You're a glutton and a wine-bibber. And that's why I don't have to listen to you. That's why I don't have to do what you say. Because fill in the blank. Because you said something I disagree with. Because you offended me. Because this person over here said something about my family member that I didn't like, so God is not real. What in the world kind of crazy logic is that? I don't... I know there's more going on behind the scenes than just that situation. I know there's, there's spiritual war taking place behind the scenes. I understand that. I, I get all that. But there was spiritual war going on behind the scenes when you were offended too. When I was offended. Satan wanted the same result that he's getting in other people in your life. But he didn't get it. Why? Why didn't he get it with you? Why are you still here? When we're always expecting the results from Tyre and Sidon, and we get the results from Chorazin, it can get pretty frustrating. When the people of God, and I'm not saying it applies here necessarily, Two fits, of course, wear it. Wear it to the altar. But I'm talking about the church as a whole at this point. When the world responds to God much quicker and much easier than the people of God, there's a problem. There's a serious problem when that's taking place. And we'll find reasons and we'll find excuses as to why. I got this going on. I got that going on. The school taught me evolution is true, so this this isn't true. All of the spiritual warfare stuff aside, I wish people would just make sense. I wish people would just follow through with a logical argument and stop contradicting themselves at every turn. Because it's very frustrating. Just tell me you don't want to serve God anymore. I can accept that. I, I'm going to pray against it. I'm going, to, I'm going to do everything I can to convince you otherwise. But if you tell me, I, I just don't want to serve God anymore. I would rather you did that than tell me some. you believe evolution is true because someone told it to you well i'm telling you this is true do you believe that 
See, that's my point. They're not going to believe it. Why not? Because they want to see proof, and they want to know how the Bible came to us today, and, and all these translations. Obviously, this was translated by some drunk monk in the medieval period. He just put in whatever he wanted to, some mead high. <clears throat> Obviously, I, I mean, that's what's going on here. Is that obvious? How do you know that? What evidence do you have to support that claim? None. It just makes sense. Although that's your reason you're not believing this, but you're just going to swallow evolution hook, line, and sinker. Because that makes sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. But see, it doesn't have to make sense. It gives me a reason to do what, I'm already, what I've already decided to do. Walk away from God. Not serve God. That's why people will believe anything and everything but this. They're not going to look at it too closely. Okay, sounds good. I don't need to believe in God. That's all I needed. And then the reasons they give for not accepting our point of view is no evidence, scanty evidence, which isn't true. I'm getting off on a tangent here. If people have honest questions, I'm cool with that. I'm totally fine with that. If you have an honest question about Scripture, if you're really desiring to know, absolutely, ask away. I don't care how dumb the question sounds. I want your honest questions answered. But if all you're going to do is just argue, I'm not interested in that. i got other things to do. In our passage of Scripture here, he's criticizing the cities of Israel because God had worked mightily. He had worked wondrously. He preached. He did miracles. And they repented not. They repented not. And Jesus makes the claim That if I'd have done this in Sodom. And I believe it too. Because what happened when Jonah went to Nineveh? That great and wicked city. He didn't do much of preaching at all. I mean, he didn't want to go in the first place. But when he finally did get there, against his will... He just said, repent or in three days you're going to be destroyed. Ooh, very heartfelt. Very, hmm. But that was enough. I'm sure there's probably more, but... That was enough. The king of Nineveh commanded his people, all the way down to the cattle, the oxen, the dogs, dressed in sackcloth and ashes. No one's going to eat food or drink water. It might be 
that God will repent of this evil. He took it seriously. He heard the word of God. And he responded in kind. He responded to the word of God properly. He repented. No mighty works. No miracles. Jesus didn't come down and reveal himself. This soddy, swampy-looking, washed-up preacher starts walking through the city proclaiming judgment. Not much in the way of presentation. Not much in the way of preparation. I mean, no miracles. Not a very good job, Jonah. Just not a very good presentation. Not very persuasive. But it was the word of God. It was the man God had sent to Nineveh. Preaching his word. Giving them God's message. And that was enough. That was enough for God to do something awesome in that city. That's all it took. And a lot of times, when we're preaching to the people of God, And I'm not talking about just the preacher up here. I'm talking about you guys talking with other Christians. Sometimes it's very interesting to talk to other Christians, even other people in our movement, people that go to our churches. It's interesting some of the ideas that they hold, some of the things that they believe. Uh, just stay in the book just stay in the book ministry that Jesus has in his life, the ministry that he accomplished, the ministry that he demonstrated with his three and a half years here on earth, is now given to you and to me. And this isn't a sermon about signs and wonders, miracles, and all of that. I believe they're necessary. I believe God gave them to us for a reason. I think they should be evident in everyone's ministry. It's not the point. The point is this. People don't always respond the way you did. People aren't always going to respond to this message the way that you responded. Maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. Or maybe I just have no idea why. Well, either way, I have no idea why. But that's the fact of the matter. Some people, it seems, you can just kind of mention God in passing. And they're weeping and they want more. Other people, you can pray and fast for them and preach to them. 
And they're like, I don't know. I'll get back to you. And they never get back to you. I don't, I don't know why. I mean, there's different kinds of grounds. I mean, there's the stony ground, weedy ground, all of that. There's the spiritual warfare aspect. There's all kinds of facets to this. I understand that. But at the end of the day, the result is this. Some people come, some people don't. And that's unfortunate. It's frustrating. The people we spend the most time with, a lot of times, are not the ones that end up lasting. But I believe this. That time is not wasted. It's not wasted at all. Maybe they'll come at a later time. In any case, God's going to honor the time that you spend in His kingdom. And He'll draw people from other avenues, other areas. I just saw what seems to work. So in ministry, when we're preaching to someone, when we're teaching Bible studies, when we're praying and fasting for this end time revival, please understand this. People don't always respond the same way. Sometimes they don't respond at all. Sometimes their response is so large. You're almost wondering what's going on here. We ought to do everything we can to be as effective as we can in the kingdom of God. But just understand that at the end of the day, Jesus didn't win any everyone either. And if Jesus didn't win everyone, you're not going to yourself. Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. And that's unfortunate. Because as Christians, we all want everyone to experience everything that we are able to experience. Coming from a background where I was completely ignorant of all of this to what God has shown me today. I want everybody to know that, to live that, to experience that. Not everyone is going to. Don't get too frustrated. Don't get too discouraged. Because that end time revival is coming. It just won't come to every person. I don't know what it is. I don't know what, what gets worked out in someone before salvation. I don't know why people respond the way they do. Don't respond the way that they don't. I probably never will. I wish everybody would respond. Jesus wishes everybody would respond. Not just Sodom, not just Tyre and Sidon, not just Nineveh, but all cities, all people. 
that they would respond to the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, we read about the blessings and the curses. We read about how that God kind of gives us both sides of the picture when he deals with people. He starts with the blessings. If you will love me and keep my commandments, if you'll do what I tell you to do, then it's going to be well with you. I'm going to bless your body. I'm going to bless the, the fruit of your womb. I'm going, to, I'm going to bless your fields and your store. I'm going to bless you going out and coming in. Everything is going to be blessed. Everything. Everything that you touch is going to multiply. Your enemies will run before you. Blessing, blessing, blessing. But if you make a different choice, you decide to follow your own ways, you decide to do what you want to do, then we bring out the stick. God will systematically withdraw His blessings and bring curses. And He'll do it slowly, and He'll do it mercifully, and He'll give you a chance to repent. And to make the right choice. He's not doing it because he hates you. He's doing it because he loves you. And that's hard to understand, isn't it? Especially as children. When I'd get swatted, I couldn't imagine that being anything other than anger. But that's not why we get swatted. Because mom and dad want something better for me. They want me to do right. They want me to be a good person. God knows exactly where he's taking us. God knows exactly where he wants us to be. And he uses blessings and he uses cursings to get us there. If we'll do what he says, blessings all the way. Now, it doesn't mean life is going to be easy. But God's blessings will be upon you, even in the midst of sorrow, even in the midst of tribulation and distress. God's blessings will be upon you. Woe unto us when we're in tribulation and distress because of the cursings of God. But in that case, one altar call away, one repentance away. God has always let His people know that there will be rewards for obedience and discipline for rebellion. That's always the way God operates. It's probably the way your parents operated. The carrot and the stick. He approaches us from both directions. But the end goal isn't the blessing in and of itself. It's not the cursing in and of itself. It's always for the individual to respond correctly to move forward in God's plan, to become more like Him. That's always the end goal. If one doesn't work, well, maybe the other one will. But the plan is for us to move forward in God. That's the plan. He 
kind of see that demonstrated with John and Jesus. The blessings and the cursings. In a way. <clears throat> John the austere, stern, repent. And Jesus, come whosoever will. But they didn't respond to either one. They didn't repent. And they had a reason for it. A lame, lame reason. At the end of the day, they didn't want to. They didn't want to. I pray in our lives, as well as the lives of everyone in our city, everyone in our families, every one of our family members, that God will give all of us the want to. That we'll find a reason to say yes to God. After repentance, after, after we experience New Testament salvation, that's the beginning of a lifelong walk with Jesus Christ. It's a beginning. It's a birth. From there, we've got to mature, we've got to grow, we've got to become productive in the kingdom of God. We can't stay children. We've got to finish what Jesus started. We've got to carry on the ministry that he began on earth. Reaching this world for Jesus Christ. And like Jesus, we'll experience successes and we'll experience what seem like failures. The disciples did. John did. Jesus did. Everybody does. Sometimes they respond like Tyre and Sidon. Sometimes they respond like Chorazin. We're always expecting a good response. We're always expecting the Lord to do something awesome in this situation. And He wants to. But as we mentioned last service, at the end of the day, the choice has to be made. And it's not your choice to make. It's theirs. They have to make the choice to serve Jesus Christ themselves. This is an individual salvation. God died for individuals. He created individuals. He loves individuals. I want so desperately to see that revival. I want to be a part of something like that. But if that comes in that form, or it comes in a different form, or it comes slowly and gradually, it doesn't matter. It's coming. I'm going to be a part of it, as I've made up my mind to be. If the Lord will use me in any way, I'm going to be a part of that revival. I'm going to do what I can. 
I guess there's a choice to be made on both sides, isn't there? The people we're preaching to, witnessing to, teaching a Bible study to, they have a choice to make. To submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ or no. And we have a choice to make. Doesn't matter what that one individual decides. I'm going to keep working for Jesus. I'm going to stay faithful to Jesus. I'm going to keep telling him yes. If everyone else says no, I'm going to say yes. If everyone else walks away and starts hating God, I'm going to stay with it and love God. And I will say something else. In our in the evangelical movement, I'm going to close with this. In the evangelical movement, there's always uh, this, I'm going to say this wrong, uh, this fascination with numbers, this, this push for numbers. And in a sense, I get it. You know, numbers equal souls. We want to see souls come into the kingdom. More numbers, more souls in the kingdom. I understand that. But people can start feeling like a failure if they don't get a bunch of numbers. They can feel like, I'm not, I'm not really doing anything for the kingdom of God. For a while, I felt like this teaching Bible studies. I've taught not a, as many Bible studies as some, but I've taught a lot of Bible studies. And I've not seen a whole lot of results from it. And for a while, I just stopped teaching them because the results seem to be the same. <clears throat> I may as well just do something else. And then... I can't remember who it was. I heard someone. Uh, maybe it was uh, Brother Cornwall. Is that his name? Cornwell. Thank you. It's probably him. He's taught a ton of Bible studies. And um, so he said this, though. Uh, your task is to remain faithful to God. You keep teaching Bible studies. The results are God's, not yours. And that was huge to me. That was absolutely revelatory. Oh, okay. That's cool. So I started teaching Bible studies again. Our job is to be faithful. Our job is to do what God has tasked us to do. The results are God's. Whether it's Chorazin or Tyre and Sidon, the results are up to God. Or at the very least, they're between the individual and God. Your job is to preach. Your job is to give them the message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then they have to choose. They make the right choice. We can keep working with them. Keep moving them forward in God. If not, well... There's another person just down the street who might really be wanting to hear this. So, let's stay faithful. It can get discouraging. Those feelings can arise within us. But they're just feelings. Our task is to be faithful. Our task is to do what God has called us to do to continue to say yes to Him despite what anyone else says. 
and we'll leave the results to God. I believe in God for miraculous things, for great things, for wonderful things. Whether it happens in my lifetime or not, it's coming. That end time revival is most assuredly coming. And if not in my lifetime, I still want to do everything I can to get it here quicker. Praise God. Let's stay faithful. Let's stay encouraged. God has great great things in store for each of us. Again, I want so desperately to see how God is going to use each and every one of you. You continue to say yes to God. You continue to say yes to what God is wanting to do in your life, to say yes to where He's wanting to lead you. The positions that He wants to, to place you in in His body. I don't care if you're five years old or, or 105. God wants to use you. Amen. Let's stay excited.